There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter. Out of adversity, there's always innovations. Power of the human brain to overcome any challenges that faces is still there. So I am still an optimist. And Lord Willie Hockey. If I could change one thing, I would love the government to accept that all meaningful apprenticeships can be tax deductible. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, and it's a warm welcome back to the Hunter and Hockey Go Radio Business Show. We're both back refreshed, Tom, oh. after a summer break, ready to go. Judging by your tan, it looks like you've spent many weeks in your hacienda in the Mediterranean. <laughs> I don't know about the tan, Willie, but um, yeah, I'm delighted to be back in Scotland. Um, bit of doom and gloom about out there, so maybe we can help businesses navigate their way through this because it's not much good news, Willie. No, obviously the cost of living crisis will probably dominate the show this morning, but uh, I'd like to start with Andrew Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for nine months, ten months, we've been saying that the, the Bank of Ireland have been asleep at the wheel and this week, to, to learn that, you know, Andrew Bailey's limit for inflation in January was 2%, and now we're getting, you know, the Citibank in the US telling us that it could be as high as 18.6% by the spring, and only yesterday we've been told that it could be 22%. What do we do? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I hope you don't think you've won the bet that we had <laughs> at the beginning of the year, because nobody foresaw... The Ukraine, um, nobody foresaw that. That came out of left field and that's created this energy crisis which is rocket-fueled, <laughs> forgive the pun, um, the cost-of-living crisis. So, But Andrew Bailey has been off the mark. He's been slow to react and basically we're all going to pay the price of it. Um, as ever, I'm trying to be optimistic, Willie. It's quite hard. But the Goldman Sachs piece that came out yesterday or this week saying 22%, there's a few caveats because always in these forecasts, they're, they're having a guess the same as you and I can guess. Your, your guesses seem to be better than mine, right enough. But the 22% is based on if gas prices stay where they were. And even this week, they've come back a bit. You know, gas prices have gone up 90% in this month alone. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't think that is sustainable and therefore I don't believe 22% inflation is going to happen in the UK. Citibank were at 18. Do I believe 18? I don't believe 18 either. Um, but it's going to be bad. Of course it is. But it's not going to... These are just guesstimates, Willie. Um, but... What can we do? Have you got any ideas? I've not got any ideas, but what I'd love someone to tell me is if we only get 15% of our energy from Russia, 
why is this huge spike in the cost? And so if someone could explain that to us, I don't get it. I seen a, a gentleman on Wednesday morning on Bloomberg explaining, he's, I think it was from Octopus Energy, and he'll be one of the six providers. He said, as tough as it is for the man and woman in the street, you have to understand that, that we as wholesalers buying gas, that the, the entire amount paid for gas in the UK last year was 15 billion. Next year, it could be 75. Wow. So someone has to explain what is going on. And there's no doubt, Tom, that this crisis, this cost of living crisis, is going to affect everyone more than any of the last problems we've had. The last recession, you know, the the um, the, the 1974 when electricity was rationed, all of this stuff. I think at the moment, seeing the way that the cost of living crisis is affecting everyone. And even this week, Tom, we've been talking about the people, you know, the hardest hit, the people, you know, at the bottom. This week it told you that people earning £45,000 are going to be hit by this just as hard as anyone else. So I hope that someone within the government... Now, I'm not holding my breath because anything I've seen at the moment, it doesn't fill me um, with enthusiasm that someone is going to come up with a magic wand and fix this. So I'm, I'm really interested if someone come, can come and explain how at the start of the year, we were told the energy this year may go up by 34%, and we're now talking about 400 and 500%. What happened? Yeah, so that's above my pay scale, Willie. I don't fully understand it, but what... What I'm trying to understand is that um, COVID, when it arrived, was a threat to lives and the government stepped in and I think they did quite a good job at helping people through it. But I think this is a new emergency and this is a threat to livelihoods mm -hmm. because if you're a consumer, yet the price cap is going up 80% in in October, unbelievably. But if you're a business, especially a small business, there is no cap. So your your energy price can go up as high, I mean, they're talking about 300%, something like that. Now, there's, there's no business, there's no business can actually deal with that. And is it their fault? Well, of course it's not. Therefore, and it it comes at a difficult time because there's no leadership in the in the country. I'm talking about the country being UK. Um, but come September the 5th, we're going to get a new Prime Minister and his or her first priority has got to be the cost of living crisis for the individual and I'm saying as importantly for business because there's no cap. So we've got to come up with what can we do in the short term? So if I look across the channel to France, France have capped for everyone, business included, um, their energy bills at 4%. Yeah. Now, this, the structure in France is different. It's pretty much state-owned. It's big nuclear. Um, but they have just come out and said 4%, that's it, we're capping it. Germany's trying to do something else. And Germany was dependent on Russian gas a lot more than, than the UK was, Willie. You're, you're, you're right about that. So, therefore, we are facing this crisis and I I hate relying on government 
to say, oh, well, government can do this, government can do that. I want to be reliant on myself. But when something like this, if one part of your business cost is going up 300%, there's not a great deal you can do about it. And you're right. And it's, it is difficult to be optimistic. But as you mentioned, we will have a new prime minister shortly. I haven't heard anything from any of the two candidates that makes me believe that they've got an answer to this problem. And I think that the sad thing about this cost of living crisis, the one thing that it's definitely going to do, Tom, is create this huge unemployment number. Unemployment at the moment is sitting at 3.7%. Some of the stories that we're hearing on TV, I'm hearing stories this week about small and medium-sized enterprises that rely on energy as a big part of their service offer are absolutely talking about closing. You know, with a letter yesterday signed by the six largest pub groups in Britain absolutely saying that this is an absolute crisis if you don't sue something. I seen a programme last night where a gentleman running a pub in England said... In order just to meet my cost just now, I would need to put a pint up to £14.92, right? He says, we couldn't do that. No one will come and buy it. So for me, as soon as we have a new Prime Minister, I mean, they should have a, a, a you know a bunker meeting, get everyone in, get anyone who's smart at all, has to come up with an idea about how we can fix this. Right? So who do you fancy, Willie? Dishy Rishi or Liz Truss? I don't have a nickname uh, for her, actually. Well, to, to be honest... Um, obviously, uh, Dishy Rishi, as you call him, has had experience of working through a crisis. And to be fair, he probably got eight out of ten for how he performed during the COVID crisis. I, I think, I have to be honest with you, I think it would be an absolute disaster, right? And, and, and unfortunately, I think that Liz Truss is going to be the Prime Minister. So this, for me, on top of all the things we've just talked about, will absolutely create the perfect storm. <laughs> oh well, we're, we're trying to be optimistic this morning, yeah. Willie. But um, I I would like to see Rishi Sunak given a chance as the PM. I don't think it's going to happen. The bookies who know more than you or I um, mm. have got let's trust as the absolute winner. Um, I, I I think this is this is an interesting study of how she got there because she came from nowhere. Yeah. Um, but. Rishi Sunak, for me, has got real-life experience. Mm -hmm. um, he gets the economy, which is going to be the biggest challenge facing any new leader coming in. He got furloughed right, I would say. The COVID loans, there's going to be a lot of bad debts there. There's going to be um, fraud with these loans, but it, at least he acted. Um, I don't think Liz Truss gets the economy as well as um, Rishi Sunak and... Um, I think it's going to be a real problem. Yeah. On top of that, you know, to, to add to the perfect storm, the ingredient of mass strikes across the UK with public sector workers. And what's happened is, is that they're a victim of the very low inflation rate over the last 20 years where, you know, wages have not gone up greatly. And at a moment when you get a huge spike, then what do you do? Do you try and lift people's salaries by 10% or 15%? In a, in a time of crisis, the last thing that you need 
right, is is kind of <laughs> unrest among the civil service. But you can understand and have sympathy with the people who have got the same problems we've just been talking about. They need to pay their electricity bills. They need to pay their, their higher mortgages. So they need more of a salary. And that's why I think that someone, that Richie is what we need exactly to help get the country back on its feet. So you talk about that employment and, and you and I talked about it and worried about it off air when COVID hit, but it never quite got there, Willie. And I think the big topic that's not being mentioned through all this is Brexit. Yes. Because in the hospitality um, industry, um, the hospitality industry is about 7% of the total workforce in the UK and about 40% of that workforce were foreign workers. And a lot of the EU people went home at COVID and they've not come back or they can't get back. And therefore, this imbalance in the workforce has pushed up wages as well and it's it's hidden the unemployment statistics. But here's something I'll put to you this morning. Um because of COVID and now because of the cost of living crisis, this elephant in the room called Brexit has not been discussed, has not been analysed, and I think it's there and it's a major contributor to the mess we're in today. I don't know one business and even people who voted for Brexit who can point me to say where is the positive coming out of Brexit. And here's my thought of this morning. If I was Keir Starmer, I would say, let's discuss, debate honestly about rejoining the EU. Wow. <laughs> That's a controversial start to the new season, Tom. <laughs> but but on that, on that, and again, trying to be positive, right? And I totally agree with you. If we had not had COVID and we've not this, we would be discussing how bad Brexit has been for the country. Yes. Right? Everyone. Right. So on that then, maybe one of the remedies should we take the same approach as Singapore? Well, Singapore has just introduced five-year golden visas for entrepreneurs and skilled workers who earn more than $150,000 a year. It looks like a very clever incentive to attract talent. Is it something that we should look at? Well... The bottom line here, Willie, is Scotland um, has got a different demographic to the rest of the UK. So we actually need positive immigration. We, because our birth rate is falling and we've got an ageing population and we need to attract and retain talent in Scotland. Now, it's it's the one thing which, um, and I'm trying not to be political here, but it is still devolved to Westminster. Therefore, Scotland can't come up with its own um, policy on this. But I think Scotland should be allowed to come up with its own policy on this because Scotland is different. And we've talked about it many times in the programme. The attraction and retention of talent is number one for any business and it's number one for any country. So I am definitely for it. Right. So I, I also think that it's something we should absolutely, something that Keir Starmer should definitely talk about how we can get that talent back into the UK. On the programme last season, we talked a lot about working from home. Yes. Right. This week, we see that workers at Apple 
are threatening to sue Tim Cook <laughs> for the right to work from home. What do you think? Oh, my goodness. Um, so, I think I've been, I've been thinking about it over the summer. I've been talking to various businesses. And there isn't one size fits all, Willie. There, there just isn't. Um, my own team, um, they voted to work from home three days a week come in two days a week and that actually works for us because these are people who have worked together for many years you know our average person's been with us 20 years um some a lot more and um you know they're doing accounting they're doing admin they're doing legal so that works for us but i don't think and i've spoke to a lot of businesses in the creative industries and bringing on apprentices willie you can't bring on an apprentice sitting at home. That mentorship, that listening to what's going on, that understanding, that chat over a cup of coffee, these are the nuggets that bring people on and you can't do that from home. Therefore, I think every business has got to listen to its people, but there's got to be a balance what's right for the individual and what's right for the business. And I still can't quite work out you know who trumps that if I'm running a business I've got to say what's right for the business because if the business doesn't make money and prosper then they're not going to employ the people I, I don't know what you think I don't think they'll be suing Tim Cook once they start <laughs> to get their energy bills in from working from home I think they'll be delighted to get to their work to get a heat and someone else is paying for it and, and I'm serious about that so let me ask you this You've been through as many recessions as me, almost. <laughs> For listeners out there this morning, trying to run their business, doing their best, trying to employ people, paying their taxes, doing the good work, is there any tips you've got from being through many recessions that we can pass on this morning to try and be a wee bit positive out there? All I can say is, is that probably live, living through two recessions, one a major recession, and then the financial crash is, you just have to be ready for that bump in the road. And if you're fortunate enough to look ahead and you can adjust before it happens, then there's a good chance of coming out the other side. But I would say everyone, with all the indicators at the moment, moment the number one word for everybody here should be survival. Right? That's how bad it is. You know, and, and I think even for us, that so we've been very, very fortunate. For 35 years, we've been on an upward trajectory. And I've got no doubt, you know, as a global business now, that, that there'll be a bump in the road for us. There's no doubt about that. But it's how that you deal with it. And I would say to everyone that, you know, look at what you can do the now to be ahead of the game. If people know that their energy bills are going to go up again by maybe another 200% in the spring, what do you do just now to try and adjust that? And, and I mean, some of the stories, some of the horror stories that uh, I was talking to someone this week, Tom, who has a, a very successful chain of, of restaurants and the quotes that he's getting for his new energy contract would actually mean that his business would go from a one and a quarter million pound um, profit to about a 1.75 million loss. Wow. Just in the energy bill. So I would say the number one thing and trying to navigate through these difficult times is cash flow. Number one is you've got to be on top of that cash flow. Know every penny, where it's been spent, where you're expecting it, and 
plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, these are cheap sound bites, but just being on top of your cash flow. And the other thing I would say to people trying to be optimistic is that this doesn't last forever. Yeah. And the government is going to have to help because 200%, 300% increases in one of your costs, nobody can actually deal with that. And therefore, there is going to be some help. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what Liz trusts if she becomes PM, is, is going to do. But she's going to have to do something because that's at the heart of the Tory voter would be s small business, self-employed. And therefore, she should be in tune with that and she needs to help. And I, just one bit of optimism, I was reading an article by somebody who I, who I, I really like, actually, Michael O'Leary, who runs Ryanair. And he has said that um, he has managed Ryanair through four recessions. And through every recession, Ryanair has grown quicker than any of their competitors because people go for the cheaper option. He is saying that the £10 airfare, I never knew how they did it in the first place, but the £10 airfare is now the £30 airfare. But my God, it's still cheaper than a taxi, Willie. But there are businesses that will prosper through this if you can provide a goods or services that are value for money through this then you're going to prosper but it's about understanding your customer being on top of your cash flow and absolutely bringing your team run about you and you will get through it i absolutely guarantee that well, I hope that's good advice for the people listening this morning. I hope so. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Gordon White, Managing Director of Fat Buzz. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, helping you with a wide range of business needs. Go the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Gordon White, Managing Director of Fat Buzz. Gordon has run his marketing agency since 1986 and has had the privilege of working in most marketing sectors from organisations throughout the United Kingdom. Gordon, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Willie. It's Hello, to... Gordon. Long time no see. It is, Tom, yeah. What enough have you been doing? Both. Um, <laughs> keeping my head down and getting on with it. Uh, we're busy. It's been it's it's been good. I think the uh, tough times during the pandemic for everybody, but uh, we were probably luckier than most that uh, we we kept busy and kept working right through and uh, managed to keep everybody employed. And in fact, we we actually hired during the, wow. the pandemic. Um, so. Uh, you know, you were talking earlier about recessions. Uh, I, I, I've been in business through two or three now since '86, but uh, I think there are opportunities out there if you if, if you gear up for it and 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 you're aware of what's going to happen. And, and the one thing I would add to the recession chat is that, that in my experience, expect things to slow down in terms of decision making. People don't push right. the button as quickly. Yeah. So yeah. if you're expecting quick decisions, then yeah. Prepare for it taking a bit, a bit longer. longer to get things done. Gordon, tell the listeners what 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 your company does. Yeah, tell me what uh, you do, Gordon. <laughs> I've, I've known you for years. I still don't know what you do. Um, I think we're described as a full service marketing agency, which is, is it sounds a bit grand, but uh, we we provide. We we still and I set up the business in '86, so long before ten years before the internet. So, uh, from traditional design, marketing, communications, we we still do a lot of 
design for print, so branding through to anything that goes to production. We do web development, e-commerce, SEO, web maintenance, um, video production, podcast production, and we have a big marketing team that get involved in content marketing, email marketing, influence marketing, um, and then we do pay-per-click advertising, social media advertising, that kind of thing. So, so, so Gordon, how did you keep abreast of things? Because you, you said, you know, 86, our kids don't believe us, there was a, a business before the internet, but um, your, your business has gone through enormous change. So how have you kept up and kept ahead of all these things? Because your, your business has been reinvented many, many yeah. times. So how do you do it? Um, it's difficult to say. I think for the, the last, up until the pandemic, we, we ran a new media breakfast um, every month in Glasgow and Edinburgh in 29 in, in Glasgow. Um, and we had a, about 100 businesses attend and it tended to be me doing a, an hour-long presentation on new media. Now, if you're going to stand up and do an hour-long presentation on new media, you need to know what you're talking about. So you had to do, <laughs> I had to do the research for so for eleven years before the pandemic, we were actually doing a lot of research and keeping up to date and and so on. And that that was a good discipline for me to be in to to do that. But uh, you're right, it's it's changed beyond recognition. I I had a older listeners mate remember Letraset and there had a guy in the <laughs> office who was talking about Letraset and, and it brought back memories and he said, oh, I'll bring a sheet in for you. So I was showing the staff how how we used to, you know, create graphics and they didn't believe me. They thought it was a joke, but it, it, it's it's difficult to keep up to date with it. But it, it tends to be, I, I tend to be more involved in business development and the youngsters, my, my daughter heads up the marketing team and they're very much digital natives and keep abreast of what's going on. So you're telling us you're a dinosaur now, is that what you're um, saying? Yes. <laughs> we've been talking over the last few weeks before we finished the last season and this morning we've been talking about the whole work from home situation you know, during the pandemic. Is it, How has that affected you and what does it look like now? Uh, the, the first two, three months of, of remote working were fine. Um, and I was surprised at how well they were getting on with it. And we were lucky that we had the, the tools to, to allow people to continue to work from home. And uh, everything was fine for, for that short period that we all thought it was going to be. But we really had to get them all back into the office after, I think it was 15 months we had them working from home. Uh, but I could notice productivity was down um, other people will tell you it goes up and I think Tom's right it's different for every business but the one thing that I noticed was personal development was through the floor people our staff tend to be younger so they're at an age where they're learning they weren't learning from each other they weren't doing that unconscious learning that they get in the office when they're seeing how somebody else dealt with something or they're able to lean across the desk and get a bit of advice or um, and, and the real problem, I think, that, that I see now is that, that fear of physical meetings that, that I can see in youngsters. And I you think can see that, a fear there, yeah. God, can you? Yeah, and, and, and I think long before the pandemic, we had um, 
real challenges with youngsters, um, particularly coming out of university, who, who kind of hide behind technology. If you say to them, have you contacted somebody, they would say, yeah, I've emailed them. And to me, that was never an answer. You know, you lift the phone or go and see somebody, preferably go and see them. Um, and you could, you could see people were, were nervous of doing that and, and they, they were getting out of the way of it and just hiding behind, you know, technology. Uh, I think when you keep people at home um, for, for this long and they're, not, they're out of the way of actually mixing face-to-face with people, I can see when I say to people now, arrange a meeting with them, they're like, mm, right. Um, so how do you overcome that, Gordon, do you think? Uh, it's difficult to say. We, we, say we, we have them all back in the office full right, time. And, okay. uh, you know, we, we, long before the pandemic, three, four, five years before the pandemic, we had moved to a four and a half day week anyway. So it's, it's not about the work life balance thing. It's about productivity, collaboration, and that personal development and bringing people on. So we, we now encourage them to, to get out and build relationships. And, right. and our business is all about it. every business is about relationships. People buy people at yeah. the end of the day. And I'm const- constantly saying to the staff, get out, go and have a lunch, have coffee, you know, uh, have a face-to-face meeting, build a relationship. The one thing that, that AI cannot replace is building relationships. And the, <laughs> if you want a real secure job for the future, become a business development manager because <laughs> uh, you, AI can't replace that. It's about people meeting people and, and networking. And the, so we're, we're constantly encouraging them to get out. And, and interestingly, anybody that I'm coming into contact with, I'll offer them the, the option of a Teams or a Zoom meeting. Without exception, every single client or every meeting I've done that, they've, they've opted for a face-to-face meeting. They still want people face-to-face. People want face-to-face meetings. And through my involvement with We Do Scotland, we're seeing an enormous uptake in um, the, these networking events and people actually getting out and talking to each other and, and, and they're delighted to be there talking to each other. Gordon, that, that's good that you've mentioned We Do Scotland. Would you like to tell the listeners a wee bit about it? Because we're up for networking and yep. how we can help grow businesses. Yeah, We Do Scotland is, is a bit like the, the way, way back there, the Entrepreneurial Exchange yep. in the very early days where it was it's, it's very much a networking and knowledge sharing. It, it's not about selling your services. It's about um, helping one another. And during the pandemic, it was invaluable because right. the members really got behind each other and helped each other. Um, it's about... Uh, a lot of people think networking is about going along and presenting your business card and your brochure and trying to get business... For me, networking is about spotting opportunities for other people and putting people together. And and that's the way I've run the business for 36 years, that it's about referral. And, and, and we put a lot of clients together with each other. So it's surprising how many of our clients actually do business together. Right. Um, and we've got, we've got a printed brochure which says we talk, we talk to our clients, we talk about our clients, and we encourage our clients to talk to each other. Um, so we operate in that culture of referral. So if if the listeners are interested in this, how how do they find out more, Gordon? Um, just we do Scotland dot com. Um, it, it is it, it, as I say one of the, the the things we look at. I'm the current chairman. One of the things we we look at when when somebody wants to join is not um, 
it's about what can they bring to the party in terms of uh, are they a good fit with the other members and all the rest of it. So it, it, it's, and it is very much um, an organisation where the primary function is to help one another. Um, and, and they're all business owners or chief executives and you know, sort of senior level across just about every industry sector throughout Scotland. Um, and the... Yeah, I would encourage anybody to have a look at How it. often do you get together, Gordon? Is it breakfast? Is it um, there's a variety of events. There's, there's supper clubs. And in fact, Willie, you came along and were kind enough to, to speak to some of the members in the, just at the end of May there. And, and they, they were um, amazed at how open and honest and uh, you know how transparent you were with that talk. And we do that kind of supper club thing. We do... There's a breakfast event next Thursday in, in Glasgow where it's um, Dr Owen Colgan, who's um, an emergency doctor who's set up a platform to um, provide world-class training to um, nurses and doctors who made all of his training courses free of charge during the pandemic wow. to, to nurses and doctors throughout the world. Yeah. Um, we... Award we gave him an award for doing that, and and as a the story went on that through that award he met a potential investor who who or somebody who found him an investor to put money in, take him to the next level with his platform, to the extent he's doing it full time now. So that's what I mean about putting people together and finding opportunities for people. And he's he's speaking at an event next Thursday, a breakfast event. So there's a whole series of different types of events. I, I think organisations that we do will be invaluable over the next 12, 18 months because I think a lot of people are going to have to get solace in, in that group, you know, because people are going to be sharing a lot of stories that are not good, but it's just yeah. trying to bring people along and help them. But how many members, Gordon, does it have? Um, there's about 160 members yeah. in, wow. in yeah. Scotland at the moment. Uh, and the membership is growing, is, is, is growing substantially since the start of the pandemic. I think for the very reason you mentioned there, that people are... Uh, being in business can be a lonely place yes. and, and and people are looking for advice from people, like-minded people in similar situations that yeah. they, they might have a slightly different experience or something. And, and that's certainly what happened during the pandemic. And I think it, it's, it is um, something that I, I expect a lot of people to be looking for help because, you know, I, I, I've been in business through several recessions. Yeah, I... I I don't know what I've got to offer somebody, but I'm sure somebody will come to me with some kind of challenge that maybe I've got previous experience of so, that will help them. So, Gordon, yeah. for our listeners this morning on the Go Radio Business Show, mm -hmm. you've been, you're a veteran of many recessions. <laughs> so what's your top tips for getting through them? Uh, I think don't panic. <laughs> um and I, I think it is important to be aware that things will take a little longer. You might where where you might have put a proposal to somebody, you know, and, and expected a, a response in a week. It might now take three months, you know. But it, the business will we will get through it, and and you know, that's the the good news that there are it will come to an end. There are always opportunities. And and even now we're looking at, well, how, how do we help businesses through the recession 
and in doing so help ourselves. So we're looking at how, what, what the businesses need and how do we bundle that together and make it easy for them to, to buy these services in one bundle rather than you know, different suppliers doing different things. Gordon, or, can I, so. sorry, can I say, um, in my own business, I know that when we when we have, a, a, you know, a, a, I don't want to use the word crisis, but when we have a period like this, right, that there's a reflection by all our clients and there's no doubt, you know, if history repeats itself, there will be a rapid decrease in the amount of capital spent. You know, back to Tom's point about, you know, being cash rich and getting through this. Do you think that in, in periods like this that people cut back in marketing budgets? Or do some cases they spend more? And I think there's a mixture of both. And and there's the very famous case study of, and Tom will maybe know more about this than <laughs> I do, of, uh, I can't remember which recession it was, probably the 80s, when Reebok stopped spending money and yeah. Nike spent money. Yep. And look where they both are now. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is quite a well-documented case study. And really, when when business is tough, that's the time you should be marketing. When when you're busy, you should be marketing. People get busy and say, "Oh, we don't need any more business. We're still marketing." Um, the 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 way to to avoid feast and famine is is to market your while you're busy to make sure you don't have the famine times. But I think it's important to continue to to market, and that's one of the things at the very start of the pandemic, where businesses were closing and not operating they were saying oh we don't need your services and I said but you do you you need to tell people you're still around you need to tell your own staff you're still around they need to see that you're still active um and for a, for a period of time we operated um with certain clients who were badly affected free of charge we said as long as we've got staff we'll continue to do your work um and and that brought a lot of trust capital as well. You, yeah. you, you, and 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 these people have stayed loyal to us now, and hopefully when things get tough, they'll, yeah. they'll remember that we we helped them and so on. So it's great, it's, great marketing. <laughs> I think that uh, it's it's interesting with all the new mediums now for for advertising, especially social media. Gordon, mm. is it the people now believe? that they get a better bang for their buck and they can be more targeting with marketing than, than back in the old days of just t spending two million on an advert and hoping that people bought your product. Yeah, and uh, certainly anything you do online can be tracked and, and uh, you know, that, that that is very useful in terms of, of finding the return on investment for that. But there is still a massive place for traditional advertising like radio and television. And there, yeah. there are ways, if you take a digital approach, to anything, even offline marketing, there are ways to, to put an element of tracking into it. So I, we, we, uh, we're constantly saying to clients, like social media on its own, organic social media without any form of paid assistance behind it is probably a waste of time nowadays. You're not going to get the reach that you, you need. Um, but we're still encouraging people to put it into traditional marketing as well. Um, and, and that sort of, you know, building relationships is the really important part of it. And at, at the, the the evening that you did, kindly did for me, Willie, I was, I was Willie's opening remark, of course, to, to these guests was, I've built this business to, was it, two well, billion? Or, well, 
without any marketing. You know, I'm sitting there as, as chairman of Weed in Scotland and a marketing agency. That, that's a great advert for my why did services. I, why did I invite him? But the reality is, Willie is probably one of the best marketers I know. You are the, the brand journalist for City. Um, and this is something that we've... I, I'm doing quite a bit of work at the moment with Scottish Enterprise and employee-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I see quite regularly with employee-owned businesses that when the person exiting the business and selling it to the employees leaves the business, there's a massive hole in the marketing because that person built the business. They were the person that did the networking, did the business development. And and lots of them will say, oh, no, I don't know anything about marketing. But indeed, they built the business. They were the marketers. Um, and that, that's something that, that we're seeing quite a lot with, with these employee-owned businesses, that they, the, the, the business owner didn't realise just how much of an influence they were on the marketing of that business and the building of that business. So you're into giving people advice. What's the best piece of advice you've ever had in a business context, Gordon? Does something stick out for you? The best piece of advice, and, and, and it probably goes back to what what you mentioned earlier. My my dad was an accountant, and it's about cash. It's about knowing where it's going. What what? And I don't do any of that. My wife does it all. So, <laughs> oh, we know that. I, I, know ask, that. I ask her when, what happens to my salary, and she tells it's me. Taking you you nineteen don't, you minutes don't need to, to mention Mary, and you'll be right in trouble. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and cash is, is king, and 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 making sure that that you're on top of your cash flow. I think is the one is, thing that struck me sitting listening to. We're veterans of three or four recessions, and the one thing that struck me is that um, we've all got women who know more than ourselves in our lives, and they've helped us get through the recession. That's what I would say, Willie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've got Marion as well. <laughs> Too many Marions. Yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, uh, learn. It took me a long while to learn that the uh, Marion is never wrong. <laughs> Gordon, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on, and wish you all the best in everything that you're doing. It's yeah, been a lovely pleasure. to see you, Gordon. My good pleasure good to luck. be here. Good luck uh, with Marion as well. Thanks yes. for having me on. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, providing secure archive storage to your business. Go. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow. With Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk Welcome back, and it's a a welcome back again to Sean McGrath, the CEO of Entrepreneurial Scotland. Sean, welcome. Willie, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me back. Morning, Sean. Yeah, you've been a guest before. Delighted to have you back. We've been talking this morning about the effect of the cost of living crisis on businesses and on individuals. Um, we'll try to get feedback from people, you know, as to the people that you're dealing with, you know, potential new leaders of the future, you know, people who are leading businesses. What, what are you hearing on the ground? Yeah, well, you know, 
delighted to be able to help with this particular bit because actually that's something that we're getting a lot more of now is questions from leaders. Um, I think, you know, you guys have touched on it, the, the cost of living crisis, but the cost of business crisis really is what's front of mind for most people that we work with. Um, and there's a variety of questions that they're coming out with, things that they're worried about. Um, you know, you talked earlier today about what what is it that the government are doing. I think probably the biggest question we're hearing at the moment is what can the government actually do? You know, people are hearing about the requirement for the government to, to do something, but they're not hearing suggestions of options. And, you know, you talked about what France is doing with the cap at 4%. You know, have you guys got any advice or thoughts on what actually could the Scottish government or the UK government do? Well, I think that's a good question. I think the First Minister, you know, floated it maybe about four or five years ago that, that one of her number one targets was to to nationalise and have her own, you know, utility company. And I, I believe that we spent half a million pounds on a consultancy page and it's never seen the light of day. So for me, and Tom mentioned and touched on it earlier, France are absolutely correct that this is the way to go. And unfortunately at the moment, you know, that nuclear is still a big, big part of the solution. But while we, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting political, but while we have a, a coalition between the Greens and the SNP, that will be a big, big problem for us in Scotland. So I would like to have a real grown-up conversation. And obviously to say to the Greens in Scotland, the Greens in Germany have just agreed that the only way forward for them is to open up all the coal mines again. Right, you know, which is one of the worst pollutants. So I think that we have to have a serious conversation about how we supply utilities. Now, I see the new sea green, you know, wind turbine field, which is fantastic. I would love, we must have the weather conditions here, whether it be tidal or solar, whatever it may be, that we could become self-sufficient in energy. And I think it should be a number one target for the government. So I would say, um, Sean, you've been involved with um, Entrepreneurial Scotland and, and the leaders, entrepreneurial leaders. So when crisis has hit, leaders, good leaders step up, whether that be in running a business or running a country or whatever. And um, therefore, I always say to business leaders, well, don't expect much from government and you won't be disappointed. Do you've got to deal with what's happening in your business? So the number one thing is look at your business, look at your cash flow, look at your team, listen to your team, bring them into your decision making and be a leader, be visible. Don't be out there going, oh, it's all doom and gloom. You know, you need to, not, not false positivity, but you've got to say, look, we're going to get through this and we're going to get through it if we all stick together if you come up with ideas, if we put them together. Now, unfortunately, as I said earlier in the show, there's a vacuum in leadership in the UK just now because we're waiting till September the 5th, but it's only a few more days. And then we need our leaders to step up. This is when leadership really matters. Now, am I confident that the quality of the leadership is going to lead our country through this? Well, you know, let's see. Um, I stay optimistic, um, but there needs to be some big decisions made. And there are no perfect solutions to this. So maybe fundamentally people are opposed to nuclear, but is it nuclear or is it dependent on Russia? 
you've got to make these tough decisions. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a perfect decision out there, but good leaders honestly debate it and then they make the decisions. They're not they're not held back by dogma. And that's what I would really encourage our politicians is to say, we're facing threats here. You know, COVID was a threat to lives. We are now facing a threat to livelihoods. Therefore, anything that you really believed in before, we've got to rip up the rule book. We've got to look at where we are and our leaders have got to step up and not, not be bound by political dogma here. Yeah, no, that's great. So, I mean, it sounds really like what you're saying is that we've, you know, we've got to grasp this ourselves as leaders in business. We have to look to ourselves first to make sure that we've got the solutions in place. And then if the government does come to our aid, then it's a, but it's a benefit. I would just add to that, Sean, is that in this situation, because of the energy crisis, there is nothing really a business leader can do about a 300, 400% increase in their energy bill. Therefore, that's when we look to our political leaders to say, right, this is a crisis of business. It's not brought on by the businesses themselves and we need to find a solution. And there will be a solution. Mm. If we didn't think there was be, be a solution, we would all go home and do whatever we Pack do. Up our tents. Of course yeah. we're going to get through yeah. it. I think that obviously, Sean... You know, you were you were trusted, and you were part of helping the government put together. You no, know, you 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 fed in. Sorry, you've no <laughs> part, of, but you fed in ideas in relation to the ten-year economic growth strategy. I think at the forefront of that now should be what are we doing with energy, right? Yeah. It should be the number one priority. So, and I, you know, I was reading yesterday about someone says just take all the money out of the Scottish Investment Bank and just put it into insulation. I think there has to be some real clever out of the box thinking. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think the question that we get asked a lot is, you know, and it's not so much a question but an expression of frustration a little bit that, you know, we have heard for so long about Scotland being the Saudi Arabia of wind and various other energy sources, and people are kind of scratching their head and asking, well, why are we suffering as bad as everyone else? From a price perspective, we've got so much energy and wind. and So there is definitely a question mark of people wanting to know when will we be energy sufficient and could we be energy yeah. sufficient? And, and here's a question from me. I've seen huge advertisements that uh, Scottish Power and SSE have said that all the utilities that they provide in Scotland come from renewable. Yeah. What's that got to do with Russia? What's it got to do with Ukraine? <laughs> Right, so somebody's going to have to... There's, there's things that don't add up at the moment yeah. that the man and woman in the street really need to know answers to. And, you know, we, we, again, we mentioned earlier, if only 15% of our energy comes from, from Russia, why then have we got a 300 or 400% increase? And, and hopefully, through your own lobbying, our lobbying, whatever that the government get this. You know, I'm certainly be telling people within the, the Labour Party, you know, speaking to Annis every week, you know, what you can do. You, yeah. You're controlling 11 councils. You know, don't step back. If there's anything you can do, let's see what you can do because they have to get the message loud and clear. And this is why we've devoted the board you can't afford this week to all about this question and obviously asking yourself. Yeah. And I think it's comms, really. You know, yeah. most people I speak to, actually, the single biggest question they have is, can you give us a bit of information on what's actually happening? And if they could understand that question, I think it would ease the frustration a bit. On the show this morning, there's not been much good news, but let's try and finish on a high. Tom, some great news about Scale Up Scotland. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so basically, 
in the Hunter Foundation, we looked at what can we do to help businesses in Scotland. And obviously, we came up with Royal Bank of Scotland and the Scottish Government with Scottish Edge, which you've helped with as well, Willie. And Evelyn MacDonald runs that fantastically. And that, the, the way we look at that is that fills the funnel with startup businesses. But the big but there is that it's scale-ups that move the economic dial. Scale-ups are businesses, I mean, it's defined as growing by more than 20%, but we all know the businesses that we really are, are rocket fuel. And they're the ones who employ the people, pay the taxes and really move the economic dial. Um, our, our own research through Oxford Economics, when we looked at the Scottish economy, said scale-ups were really important to this and we fed into the 10-year economic plan. So rather than just having a plan, so what, so what are we doing about it? So the Hunter Foundation had started, it was Ewan, Ewan Hunter, our chief exec, come up with Scale-Up Scotland, which was taking the best of the businesses out of Edge or anywhere else who really want to grow. And then listening to those entrepreneurs, they, there was a, another um, group who were the ones who are really going to make it, who are really going to move the economic dial, who are maybe sitting at 5, 10 million turnover today, Willie, but who ambitions to go to 100 million turnover. So we got together with the Scottish National Investment Bank, um, Willie Watt there, and we said, this is where you should be investing in. It was great for a, for a government body. He said, yes. <laughs> there was Good no old, mucking Willie. about. And um, I mean, we were quite surprised, to be honest with you. Pleasantly surprised for a change. So what we're looking for is these entrepreneurial leaders who, can, who have got the ambition to take their business to 100 million of turnover. So what can we do to help them? Well, first of all, we can get them together. And this peer-to-peer -peer support, this peer-to-peer -peer learning, they, they learn so much from each other and they support each other. That's what we were talking about earlier, Sean. So that's number one. Secondly, we've got people like yourself, um, seasoned entrepreneurs who have been through recessions, who know how to grow their business, who know about internationalisation. Whatever's on the entrepreneur's mind, we will go and find entrepreneurs who have been there, did it, done it and get them together and we're going to put them together at our new home which is Blair Estate and they'll come together they'll spend an afternoon with that entrepreneur or entrepreneurs we'll then have a dinner at night and we'll really get into it about what's really on your mind what's really happening and hopefully hopefully at, at the end of this it's a kind of 12 month long programme they will say that was amazing. That's something that's not happening anywhere else in the world. But in Scotland, you know, whenever I asked you, well, like, can you come and do this? You say, yes. You know, we've got um, Dr. Punan Malik coming along. We've got Professor Sir Christopher Evans. We've got Theopathetis. You know, we've got people who these entrepreneurs would never get to meet and they can come, be enthused, but be honest, talk about their failures as well talk about the challenges and find a way through and really support it. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So to end on a high note, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all Things doom and gloom, are working well. and we're, we're at time. So I hope you've enjoyed the first show of the new season. I look forward to you tuning in next week. The Gordy.
Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work-from-anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. 